Hallelujah, Jesus. We are so thankful to be in the presence of the Lord tonight, and we are excited for what He is going to do in our midst, in Jesus' name. He comes down here and He meets us where we are at. So no matter what you have done this week, what you are going through, what circumstances you may be facing, He is there with you inside of your household. And if you have felt the presence of God like we have felt it in here it is an incredible presence, and, and he's just doing some amazing things. So I'm believing that he is going to pour into your household as well. We're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. We're not going to have any worship, but we're going to entertain the presence of God with prayer tonight and then dive right into the Bible study. But I want to bring something forward to you tonight that we can pray about, seek God's face, that we need to pray for our government, for the people around us, for us ourselves, because this is a time that is different than many others. I, I, I have been feeling it, and I don't know exactly where it's going to go or how deep it will go, but what I do know is that we are in the midst of a time where things could drastically change. Uh, things can drastically, as far as the physical realm, what we see around us, change for the worse. And it may look like you, uh, it, it may be something that you won't be able to overcome or something you won't be able to fight through or something you won't be able to get through. But I absolutely believe that we can. And the reason I do is because the apostles were able to make it through those times back when they were persecuted and hung upside down on crosses and boiled inside of oil and I mean all sorts of crazy stuff. They went through these times and they had an incredible revival in the midst of it. And unfortunately, those who are not solid in Jesus, those who are not apostolic in the way that they live and believing in truth are going to fall away from this during those times. But you tonight are in the midst of truth, in the midst of the presence of God and His Spirit and His presence. And He wants to pour into you so strongly that even if these times begin to change towards something that looks very negative in the future, we can stand strong and we can see a revival like we have never seen before in the church in Jesus' name. So I believe that tonight and I hope that you are saying amen on your side of the camera to believe that as well. I would encourage you for the next hour or so that we are in this Bible study to set down what you are doing, to give an example to your children that you are going to live unto God for this hour because it is going to become more essential that we do this more than ever before as we go forward into these years to come in Jesus' name. If you could stand with me, lift your hands, let's begin to pray together and believe tonight in Jesus' name. God, we are thankful for what you have done inside of this church, God. I am thankful for the lighthouse and the truth that you have spread throughout this community as a result of your spirit being here, God. I believe right now that you will pour upon every household your spirit, your authority, and your power. God, to rise above during these challenging times, Lord, that you will give direction, Lord. You will show us those who need to be reached, God. You will give us wisdom inside of hard circumstances, God, that you will give us the courage to rise above, God. You will give us the courage to stand in the midst of the ungodly, and Jesus, through you alone, Lord, I believe that there is a powerful presence that is going forward, God. We pray for our government, Lord, our president, our president elect, God, our vice president elect, our Congress and the judicial branch, God, every piece of our government, we believe that you can pour in there, Lord. We may not understand it, but I believe alive and well that your spirit is trying to reach those people just as much as anybody else, God.
God. Lord, I believe that through them, God, you can change this nation and move walls around, God. Put apostolics in strategic places, God. Let the miraculous occur in moments, Jesus, that we would be prepared for and expecting inside of our lives, God. I pray for the families of our church, God, that they would not get discouraged by what is going on around them, Lord, that they would not be discouraged by what others are doing, but that they would live strong in this faith, God, that they would have the courage to show and demonstrate to their family members that they will live in the midst of this, God. Give parents the wisdom to raise their children during these times. God, I believe through you, Jesus, that we will see young prophets and young preachers and young pastors begin to rise up in who you are, Jesus. Lord, let that be inside of every place, inside of every family, and every person who has willingly lifted their hands tonight in Jesus' name. Pour your blessings upon them, God. Let it be inside of their households, in workplaces, in vehicles. In Jesus' name, we believe that tonight. In Jesus' name, we proclaim that tonight. If you believe that with me, then let's lift our hands and begin to praise God and give him glory tonight in Jesus' name. God. Hallelujah. What a wonderful, wonderful God we serve tonight in Jesus' name. I am absolutely believing that for you and for your household that we live inside of some encouraging times. I, uh, you know, read these stories of the apostles and we have always said, man, we desire to be like the apostles and how they were able to live out this faith so strongly and encouragingly in the midst of challenging times. And so now, we have that opportunity more than ever. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but what I do know is that we need to be ready and prepared, and we need to try to prepare as many people as we can to be ready and prepared for his second coming as well. And so we can do that together tonight in Jesus' name. We can bind together, and I'm excited about these lessons and continuing in the midst of these because they have been right on the money as far as we need to reach every person, every tongue, every nation, including those in the midst of our own city. And so tonight we are going to continue along with that. Just for a reminder, we are in the midst of our uh, month of prayer and fasting, and so uh, you can be seated in your house if you would like to. I, I know I, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, but, but the month of prayer and fasting, and God has been doing some incredible things. If you've been here in the midst of the prayer meetings, it's just been a big movement of God. He's, he's pushing things, changing things, and uh, as Brother Mike said on uh, Sunday night, there's things that are changing in the atmospheres where people are starting to reach out again and call again and, and see that they need God during these times. And so we want to continue with that. And this Saturday, you have another opportunity to participate in that from 5 to 6 here at the church. I would encourage you that if you can to come down here, participate with us, um, be in the midst of that prayer time. If you're a parent, I would encourage you to show your children that you will set aside time and give it unto God. 
If your children never see you praying, never see you worshiping God, never seeing you give your heart to God, then they will not understand how to do it themselves. But if they see you being willing to set down the cell phone, set down the social media, set down the movies, set down the TV shows to give some dedicated time unto God, then that will absolutely change their perspective. And we want our children to raise up stronger than we ever were before. And the way that we do that is by leading them into the presence of God the best we know how and giving that example. So I would encourage you to participate, be a part of that. And I'm thankful for all of you who have participated and been a part of us uh, with that so far because it is changing things. There are atmospheres that are moving around inside of our community in Jesus' name. Not only that, but we also have a youth service this Sunday night. It's a youth-only service. So if you have a young person in your family, I would encourage you to bring them this Sunday night to the church because they uh, will definitely want to be a part of that uh, service. It's, it's Jake and Acacia are doing a wonderful job, and we want them to be uh, in the midst of that also. So again, if you need anything during these times, feel free to reach out to us. We're here for you. We want to pray with you in Jesus' name and believe that God is going to do some great things. So let's see here tonight. Every tongue and every nation. If you need a lesson, again, you can go on the website download it. But tonight we're going to talk about overcoming prejudice. Prejudice is a big word uh, that has no place inside of the church. It's a word that sometimes we um, think that we can have a little bit of part of it and, and be okay. But in all reality, we need to get rid of every part of this inside of our lives because we should not have any prejudice against anybody as a result of that. That's up to God to decide what's going to happen in a person's life. It's not up to us to make that decision of who they are. And so this lesson is going to tie into what we, we uh, taught last week. So I would encourage you that if you're new here tonight, that you would go back and listen to last week's lesson and see what God is going to do. There are some scriptures on our screen in Acts chapter 15, but I would ask that you open your Bibles because I believe uh, I want to bring some more context into this story uh, so you understand it a little bit better than just the scriptures that they have brought forward. So Acts chapter 15, in verse 1, it says this, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So they have this question, a debate that's going on amongst themselves of some that are saying, you must be circumcised, as Moses has said, and some who are saying that if you are not circumcised, then um, you're going to, uh, you can't be a part of the kingdom of God. So they have this debate that's going on, and they decide to go to some elders about this question. And it says in verse 3, and being brought up their way by, uh, to the church, they passed through uh, Phinehas and Samaria, declaring this conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they, received, or they, they were received of the church, and of the apostles, and of the elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up a certain and a sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, and to command them to keep the law of Moses." So again, they're emphasizing this. The Pharisees are saying to the Gentiles, you can't do this unless you partake in what Moses had told us to do prior to this. And so it goes on to say in verse 6 that the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up. He said unto them, men and brethren, 
you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did among us. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. He goes on to ask them the question, Now therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we shall be saved even as they. And so he really begins to bring this into context. The Pharisees are saying, man, you must meet these particular requirements in order to be a part of of the kingdom of God. But Peter comes in there and says, you know what? We're not going to use this prejudice where you are keeping certain people out of the house of God, but we are going to include everybody because God has revealed this to me and he has filled them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he would not do that if he did not believe that they could be saved as well. And so we will get into this scripture a little bit later, as well as a couple other stories. But this scripture is one that begins to bring to the forefront of what we are talking about here tonight. That some people get so religious, there's religions out there that become so religious that there's only certain people that can be a part of the kingdom of God. But I am thankful to be a part of a church here where we do not believe that, do we? We do not believe that we have to have a prejudice against certain races or against certain people, but we believe that anybody can be saved by coming into the house of God. So let me introduce this here a little bit more and give you a little bit of context to this scripture that we just read. I have an incredible story to tell. I was at my friend Simon's house in Joppa, Around noon, I went up to his rooftop to pray while Simon and his family prepared a meal. And after a little while, I fell asleep and had this strange vision. The heavens opened up, and a large sheet was let down from the sky. It overflowed with all kinds of unclean animals, reptiles, and birds. And then I heard God say, get up and eat, Peter. My first response was, no, Lord, I don't want to do that because those animals, they're unclean. And we do not eat those. We haven't eaten these animals since the law of Moses was given. I was confused, but I heard the voice of the Lord again. Get up and eat, Peter. Don't call these animals unclean if I had made them clean. I had this experience three different times, but could not make sense of it. Right after this, three men knocked on our door. The Holy Spirit told me, three men are here. Go to them. I've sent them here to find you. When I met the men, they told me about Cornelius. He was a centurion commander and a God-fearing man. In this time of prayer, an angel had told him to find me and told him exactly where I was staying. The vision to make a little, it began to make a little more sense. And even though these were Gentile men, unclean Gentiles, God was encouraging me to go with them. He had made them clean. So the next day, we prepared to go to the house of Cornelius. When we arrived, Cornelius told us about his vision and how God had directed him to find me. 
Immediately I felt compelled by God to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and his household. They all began to speak in tongues just like they, we did on the day of Pentecost. I immediately realized that the Holy Spirit was for Gentiles too. We baptized Cornelius' entire household in the name of Jesus Christ and remained with them for a few days, rejoicing in all that God had done. Looking back, I did not know how this message would be received. As Jews, we did not associate with Gentiles, but God was leading us into new territory. And I was determined to follow where the Spirit would lead us. I'm grateful God confirmed His work among the Gentiles that day. And truly, referring to me as Jerry, I am grateful that God revealed this vision back in that day because it began to include people like you and I in the presence of God. It began to say that you and I could receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost and find salvation in who He is. This is why prejudice cannot have any place inside of the church. So let's begin to look at a couple stories here and begin with the master teacher who is one of the most incredible people around. When we look at our master teacher of Jesus, he's the one that we should refer to as the great example of how we are to handle certain circumstances and things going on around us. So let me tell you about a couple of these different stories. Inside of these here, we see that there were walls around the well. Now, just to give you a bit of context, this story is going to come from John chapter 4, and we don't have time to read all of it tonight, so I'm going to refer to bits and pieces of it. I would encourage you to go home uh, or inside of your house, to stay at your house, and read through this entire chapter. Study it out. See how Jesus began to handle this lady. But there were walls that were around this well that Jesus was going to approach. So Jesus, he went through this land of Samaria. Now, this wasn't necessarily a horrible thing, but Jesus was going into a land that was very iffy, that, that a lot of the Jews said that if you're going to go through Samaria, you just shouldn't do it. Because the Samaritans at this particular time were a mixed race of people who had intermarried with a bunch of different other races. And, and, and these, these Assyrians and these different cultures centuries before so the Jews had seen the Samaritans as people who they did not want to be a part of. They thought that they had sinned too badly and done things too strongly against the kingdom of God that they should not be uh, in the midst of these people here. And so the Samaritans, they also had a separate version of the Hebrew Bible from the Jews, and they also had a different temple. So they also had a different place where they would go and worship God. So there was a real fine division line between the Jews and the Samaritans, basically where they said, we do not want to intermix. We do not want to be a part of any of this. And so as a result of the Samaritans' compromise, Jewish people saw them as inferior. That the, the people who were, were the bums of the street, the people who they did not want to, to reach or speak to because they, they were gross and unclean and uh, so many different places. But this is what the Samaritans were, were a part of. The Jewish people just did not want to begin to be a part of them. So Jesus, who was considered a Jew at this time, walking into this land of the Samaritans was a challenge because he was going somewhere that everybody else had told him, you do not go there and you should not be there in the midst of those people. You should not hang out with them. It's not meant to be. 
But Jesus begins to defy some of those orders. Jesus begins to see that there are souls that need reached. Jesus didn't say, I want to go in the midst of them and have fun inside of the partying and things that they're doing. I don't want to go in the midst of them and enjoy that just to be inside of them. No, Jesus said, I'm going to go into their culture and I am going to show them that there is true life. Here's how we know that. Because Jesus, he was at Jacob's well. Jesus, wandering through this place, knew that he was going to have a particular interaction with a particular person that would set this city on course to an ultimate revival. Jesus went to this well. And the spiritual history of the Samaritans is really rich. If you look at this well in different places around there, Abraham and Isaac and, and, and these Jacob and these people around them that were, were, uh, the, the Samaritans were descendants from. But ultimately, Jesus knew that these people were still outcasts. So we see that in this passage of Scripture... It was also noontime in the hottest part of the day. So for Jesus to be there in the midst of this time, it was unthinkable. That for somebody to come to this well in the hottest part of the day was foolishness because why would you go to draw water when you're going to have to put in so much more work and effort and be out there inside of the sun? It's kind of contradicting one another. But Jesus, he listened. Jesus, he knew where he needed to be in order to minister his name to the people around him. So Jesus, being weary from the road, he began to rest on this well. And as he rested on this well, a Samaritan woman would come to draw water. As Jesus leaned against this well, he asked a Samaritan woman, he said, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. He was tired and weary from being inside of the desert. He was tired and weary from the heat and the things that were going on there. His flesh needed some water, and he knew that he would meet this lady here. So Jesus asked this lady, give me a drink of water. By doing this, not only was Jesus inside of a foreign land, in a place that his culture said he should not be, in the midst of a people that he should not be amongst, but he also broke through several more cultural prejudices and customs by asking this lady to give her a drink. Because at this time, reputable men did not speak to women alone in public if they did not know them. Jesus was speaking to a lady who he did not know, although he did spiritually, but physically he did not know and so it was against the cultural norm for Jesus to speak to this lady alone in public. He was beginning to break down some barriers, some walls that had been placed up around this well. You see, Jesus also asked her for water. This would have made him ceremonially unclean in the Jewish law. That Jesus asking her to do this task for him would have made him unclean or basically in a place where he could not be out in public and reach out to God as those Jews who were clean at this particular time. 
So Jesus was demonstrating so many different things here inside of the story of saying that he was going to break through several walls and several barriers and several cultural prejudices that the Jews had had against the Samaritans of saying we cannot reach those people, we cannot touch those people, we should not have a part of them. But Jesus was showing that he was going to break through this. Jesus refused to let the barriers between them keep him from an opportunity that was before him. Jesus refused to let barriers keep him from ministering the gospel unto this young lady. I think if we're honest, or if we talk about what we go through as Christians, that if you are living this apostolic faith out in front of you, you will have people around you who tell you not to speak to certain others. You will have people around you who, even though they may not say it, they will look at you weird if you go and sit at a particular lunch table or go and speak to a particular friend or somebody else who is inside of the workplace. They will look at you weird if you begin to do that. But if we are to be like Jesus, we must realize that they are souls just as much as anybody else. And we must begin to break down prejudices that we have inside of our lives of saying, I am not going to reach that person because everybody else says I should not reach that person. We must be willing to step out, to go to that next mile, to go to their household and say, God, I want to see them saved just as much as anybody else in Jesus' name. That's why I think inside of my life, I have began to build such a burden and such a heart for those who are left outside, who are left alone, who people do not want to be a part of because, man, they need to be reached with the gospel. And I have found that they are probably some of the most interested in the gospel compared to everybody else who begins to shun those and push them away. I learned that very quickly inside of high school. And again, I've told this story, but I don't tell it to just bring glory to myself, but glory to God, that those students who would sit alone at their lunch tables, I would make it a point to try to go and sit with them, to relay messages to them about Jesus, to show the love of Jesus Christ, to show them who he truly was and what he wanted to have inside of their lives. And you can do that today just as much as anybody else. You can begin to push aside your concerns, your ideas, what your day is like, and begin to invest in somebody else and say, hey, how are you feeling today? How is your day going? What are you about today? And push aside some of those prejudices that our culture says there's some who cannot be touched or reached. Jesus wasn't going to let these barriers define who he could and he could not reach. Satan and darkness wants you to think that there's a barrier there so you cannot touch certain people or reach certain circumstances. But that is a lie. The devil is a liar. We say it over and over again. He cannot tell the truth, and he will not be able to tell the truth about that. If he's saying, man, you can never reach that person over there, let me give you a hint. He's lying. And you know what that means? You can reach that person over there. You see, Satan thinks he has us all tripped up and tricked up and that sort of stuff. But if we really begin to look at what he is saying, He's telling us truly what the power and the ability of what we, we can do as apostolic people. You're saying, well, they can't be filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, thanks, Satan, for telling me that because now I know 
They can be filled with the Holy Ghost. There's no truth that comes out of his mouth. We can win that in Jesus' name. You can be like Jesus and say, man, I am done letting barriers get between me and other people, but I want to see them saved and reach for the gospel, teaching Bible studies, knowing who they are. Let's dismiss these prejudices inside of our lives. See, Jesus pushed through the potential conflicts. He shifted the focus from the wall to the well. Jesus knew that these walls were very present between him and the Samaritan lady here. He knew that speaking to her, she was approaching him with these walls in place, thinking, this man cannot talk to me. I don't know why he is talking to me. I don't know what is going on inside of the circumstance. But instead of Jesus sitting there and focusing on those walls and trying to dig those walls out, he took the focus off of the barriers between them and begin to put them on something that would last for eternity. Jesus took her eyes off of, of, of what was physically between them and began to put it into the spiritual and say, you know what, there's a well here that you can draw from. He used a real example of a spiritual reality that the actual well of life in front of her held the promise of everlasting life. Life that is only found in Him. By speaking to a physical need, he opened the door to address her spiritual need. The woman began to lower her defenses at this point. And even though she may not have fully understood what Jesus was referring to just yet, she began to bring down some of those walls of saying, there's something different about what this guy is telling me. Something different than the other Jews that I have dealt with that have spoken to me. And so she's at this place and Jesus tells her about this water that she can draw from the well that will provide for her for the rest of her life. And she's thinking inside of her mind, like, my goodness, I have to come here every day and bring these buckets and draw this water, and it's so much work. And you're telling me that I won't have to do this ever, ever again? That, that this water will just flow into my household or that sort of thing? You know, she's excited about what we have today in, in modern culture, but, but she's excited about this. So she says back to Jesus and John, 4 and 15, she says this, uh, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So this alone is a huge barrier that has been broken down. Not only is Jesus reaching her, but she is now beginning to reach back to him and saying, this stuff that you're talking about, I want to know more about it. I'm thirsty for it. I'm hungry for what you are telling me about this brings us to our first question here tonight, and you can respond in the comments if you would like, whether on YouTube or Facebook. But it says this, how does Jesus teach us to find common ground with someone who may be culturally different from us? I don't know if you'll be able to type that in there or not, but I definitely want to give a few minutes for you to type that in there. How does Jesus teach us to find common ground with someone who may be culturally different from us? In Jesus' name. Your thumbs are going wild. You can throw it in there into the comments, and we will respond to those tonight in Jesus' name. How does Jesus teach us to find common ground with someone who may be culturally different from us? I believe in God to continue with this in Jesus' name, to show us and reveal to us some people that we can reach this week in Jesus' name, some people that we can speak to, some people that we can find. While you're typing those in, 
I'm going to go down to our next point, and I will come back to those because it's still going to apply in many different aspects. You see, we were speaking about this point at the beginning here, that there's a well without walls, and Jesus just created that, a well without walls. Jesus unexpectedly shifted the conversation and brought up the elephant which was in the room. This lady was alone at the well in the hottest part of the day for a reason. Her community had shunned her. She was an outcast among the outcasts, and Jesus knew this. But Jesus was not afraid to bring up this elephant that was in the room. I think that in today's culture, we are scared sometimes to bring up the elephant that may be inside of the room. That if we're struggling with something, we think we should just push it aside or we think we should skate over it. But I think that Jesus is teaching us something very important here. That if there is an elephant in the room, it might be something that we need to address to get past some walls and some barriers with somebody to begin to teach them about the gospel and who he is. Sister Miller, you responding loving kindness is a way that Jesus teaches us to find common ground with someone around us. Absolutely, he does teach us that, that we are to be kind as he is to those around us, and it will begin to, to show them that he is king. Sister Rowe, you put, he was bold and unafraid of what others would say or do. That's a very, very solid point, and I agree 100% with it, that he was not scared, he was not afraid of what would happen when he began to speak or do what he knew he needed to do in those particular moments in Jesus' name. Faith over fear. Absolutely. We believe that tonight in our testimonies, Sister Claypool. Our testimonies in Jesus' name are absolutely a way that we can reach other people and begin to speak to them about the kingdom of God. So Jesus is breaking down these barrier walls with these things that you all have mentioned. And at first glance, we may wonder why Jesus would bring it up at all. But think about it. Jesus was leading this woman to a surprising revelation that he is the Messiah. If Jesus had not addressed her sin, she may have thought he would never have shared this truth with me if he had known what I had really done and why I was out here alone. You can understand why she would have been scared or fearful of saying, man, you're saying I can draw from this water for eternity, but you don't know what's behind me. I'll never be able to touch that water or reach it. I'll never be able to see that water spring up inside of my life because you don't know, Jesus, what has been behind me, the sins that I have committed, what has been done inside of my lifetime. So Jesus immediately begins to address that. He's unafraid, unscared of what this lady might say back to him. So he addresses her sin to show her, I know what your sin is in this circumstance. He doesn't condemn her for it. He doesn't begin to put her down for it. He just brings it up and puts it out on the table. And then he begins to explain to her that there is a way to change that sin, to change that past completely around from what is behind to something that is new in the future. He begins to show her that waters of living water can flow into her life and begin to spring up something brand new in a relationship with the kingdom of God. Their souls 
that need to be reached. There are people who are so stuck in sin inside of our community that they do not feel that God would ever accept them or that they can be loved again by anybody. But it is up to us as Christians to go out there and to name those sins but not condemn the person. To begin to say there is something that can flow inside of your life. There is a well of water that can begin to spring up and change who you are and what you are about. It can begin to dismiss every prejudice that we begin to have about somebody saying if they're addicted they will never be delivered if they're inside of this sin they will never be free from that if they have committed this sin then they can never see salvation in the kingdom of God but if we begin to dismiss those prejudices and realize that that sin is out there on the table and that person thinks that they probably aren't going to be saved because of what they have been told and begin to speak to them about Jesus and say there is a river of living water I know about your sin but that that's no big deal. I'm not worried about that. We can pray through that and repent and get over that in Jesus' name. But man, Jesus wants to put a river of living water to take place of all of those other pieces inside of your life. You see why it is so important to begin to dismiss prejudices about who can come in versus who cannot. We must get rid of every one of those tonight in Jesus' name. In fact, I think it would be good if we lift our hands and pray that God would reveal this if we have any such thing inside of our lives. God, I know, Jesus, that sometimes we have these things in our lives by mistake, God. Sometimes we have them there ignorantly, God. Sometimes we do it purposefully, but God, I pray that you would open our eyes to any prejudice that we might have between us and somebody else, God. Any prejudice that we might have against any culture, Jesus, that you would show us that so we can shut it down and remove it and push it aside, God, that it would not allow itself inside of this church, God, and Lord, that you would show us those who are out there, who are longing for something more, who feel that they have been so broken they will not be accepted again, God, so that we can proclaim your river of living water that wants to flow inside of their lives, God. Let us see these things, God, and let those scales be removed from our eyes during this month of prayer and fasting. In Jesus' name we believe it. Amen and amen. I am thankful that he can do that in that split second, aren't you? In Jesus' name, I'm absolutely thankful for that. And so we see here in this story tonight that no wall of sin could separate her, nor can it separate anyone else from the well of life. No wall of sin would be able to separate her and it doesn't separate you from the well of life. I want you to think about this question, but how can we help people overcome those barriers and realize that they too can be reconciled with God? Something to think about inside of your life. How can you help somebody overcome the barrier that might be inside of their life and what they are going through? I have found, and I know that we have said this a lot during these lessons, but just being apostolic, living out truth and holiness in front of people will show and demonstrate to them the love of Jesus Christ more than so many words that we could speak unto them. That when they see that you are able to stand up and be strong in the midst of certain circumstances, it will begin to show them that, man, I can break down these barriers too. That again, like, like Sister Claypool said, that if, the testimonies, if our testimony begins to be lived out in front of those people, 
they will say, man, if God forgave him for what he did, if God forgave them for those circumstances, then he might be able to accept me as well. You see what will begin to happen if we dismiss the prejudices inside of our lives. This woman immediately tried to shift the focus back to the only wall left between them, which is worship. You Jews say, you Jews, this word denies the spiritual heritage of our fathers. You Jews say worship must happen only in Jerusalem at your temple. And she brought up a valid point of concern, that there was a wall behind which people were supposed to worship in Jerusalem. However, she did not have access to that place to worship. She was accepting what Jesus was saying, but she knew that physically she could not enter that place to find God. So Jesus began to speak. He had a choice to make. Would he allow the conversation to become derailed by an argument over worship, or would he shift the focus to draw her closer? I think at this time, we've all been in circumstances like this, where we're talking to somebody about Jesus showing them the rivers of living water, but they bring up a valid point like this, and so often we want to jump on that point and begin to argue that point home in order to win that person or what we think is win that person. But Jesus didn't do that in this circumstance. He didn't jump on the bandwagon of saying, I'm going to argue with this lady about why it's right to worship in the temple, and, 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 and you know, even though you can't come in the walls of, of this sort of stuff. Jesus did not do that. But he focused on drawing her closer. His actions show us that winning the debate and correcting every misconception a person may have, these are not our goals. That our goals are not to win every single misconception or idea or argument or these things that people have going on inside their lives. But it's showing us that we must be guiding people to know God more correctly, that that is our aim in helping them overcome these prejudicial walls inside of their lives. We must begin to do some of these things here in Jesus' name. We see that Jesus turned the conversation away from the place of the worship into the nature of worship. He said, worship is about people sincerely seeking God in spirit and in truth. You see that on your screen there, that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus did not shy away from the confrontation, but the tone of the conversation in the eyes of Christ had no condemnation against this young lady, but he was telling her there is a river of living water. Jesus showed us that when we choose to argue, over the walls and the prejudices that separate us from others, we distract them from the well of life. That prejudices are not what we are meant to be arguing over. We're meant to dismiss those things, to see them, get rid of them, but then begin to show people that, man, you can have Jesus Christ inside of your life as well. You don't have to be perfect today. You don't have to dress a certain way this instant, but you just have to begin to accept him, begin to open your life, begin to see the things that he has for you inside of this well. 
Scripture goes on to say, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they, then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Because this lady that Jesus began to show compassion to, that he did not have a prejudice towards, but he began to speak into her life, would turn around and go into the city and begin to show other people that there was a man at the well who did not condemn me, who spoke some things that I had never heard before and began to tell me about rivers of living water. He knew about my past, but he pushed that aside. He pushed his prejudice aside about those things and began to say, there's something that is much more important, and that is your salvation. Jesus began to demonstrate this to her, and as a result, an entire city was beginning to be flipped on its head. People began to believe, people began to see, even through this lady who the city had said was an outcast, who they did not want to have any part of anymore. But they began to see Jesus Christ through this lady because Jesus was willing to push aside the prejudice of who she might be. We can see that when we walk into our workplaces, into the grocery store, into the places that we are at, that we should not have a prejudice against anybody or anyone around us, that we should not shut somebody down, but they might be the very link to turning that entire community upside down. They might be the very link to going back and witnessing to people who we may never be able to reach because of the barriers that are between us. But Jesus knew if he could turn one of these Samaritans and send her back into the city, then the city could be changed and turned upside down. Rather than going in there and preaching on tables and speaking things to the people, Jesus illustrated this truth to us over and over again. We see that John, in a few chapters later, would demonstrate this truth again. We see this on the last day of the autumn festival of Booths, and Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is available for anyone who believes. The Holy Spirit is the well without the walls. It's the well that can begin to flow into your life. It's the well that can begin to flow into others' lives. And ultimately, it's the well that we must promote. We must promote the well. When we reach this community, we, we, we can think about walls and why we might not want to talk to a particular person. We can begin to come up with excuses about why we can't speak to somebody about a certain thing. But let's not begin to promote those walls and focus on those things that the media wants us to right now. I mean, there is so much division inside of our country at this particular moment because the media wants to raise up these walls and say, man, there's a barrier here and there is a wall here and there's things here. And I'm not saying that there aren't some valid concerns in the midst of that. But we as Christians are meant to push those walls down and 
say, man, I know something that is better than a wall, and it is a well. It is a well of living water where the Spirit of God begins to flow, and it can come inside of your life. And it's not only inside of a church atmosphere that you can feel it, but you can feel it inside of your household, inside of your car, when you're driving across the interstate, inside of the worst circumstance, you can begin to feel the the presence of this well inside of your life. Let it spring up. Let it become a part. Let it begin to do something. And if you have never felt that well tonight, I would encourage you to seek God for it, to reach out to us here. We will teach you about this well. We will show you that God wants to reach you no matter where you are at, and he wants to fill you with his spirit as well so you can take it anywhere with you and begin to move into some incredible places with it in Jesus' name. We see that the disciples returned from grabbing their lunch and they marveled that Jesus was speaking to this Samaritan woman. They began to question, Jesus, why are you speaking to this lady? And we see that they they were baffled by what Jesus was doing. You see, Jesus, he was already eating the spiritual food of the kingdom. And he urged the disciples to push beyond their cultural prejudices to see the people in front of them. What they saw prior to this was a group of people who could not be reached, a group of people who should not be spoken to, a group of people that did not need to be reached as much as the Jews did at that particular time. But Jesus taught them a valuable lesson, that the reason we remove prejudice inside of our our lives, the reason we remove walls inside of our lives and so that we can see the human being that is in front of us. The soul that is there that he wants to reach. Later, just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he once encouraged, once again encouraged the disciples to be witnesses of him to all people in the world, even in Samaria. He was emphasizing what had just happened. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the outpouring of the Spirit was for all people. But think about this. Still, they did not fully realize the ramifications of the uttermost part of the earth in all Judea and in Samaria due to the deep-seated cultural biases and prejudices. We speak about Peter's message on the day of Pentecost But we don't think about at this particular time, Peter still likely had some prejudices inside of his life of saying we can't reach certain Gentiles or certain people because it's just not for them at this particular point. It wasn't that Peter was trying to be mean or evil, but there was a prejudice there that God was going to need to break down later on. So even though Peter is speaking these things and speaking about the Holy Ghost being for all people at this particular moment, he doesn't necessarily fully believe that it is for every single person and every single thing out there. But because he spoke the word of God, God was doing something prior to to a revelation that was going to come to him later on that we had just read about. We see that after Stephen's, Stephen's martyrdom, the people of God were scattered from Jerusalem and preached the gospel everywhere that they went. Philip preached the gospel in Samaria and experienced a dramatic breakthrough. He then sent for Peter and John to confirm the work of God among the Samaritans and to help them receive the Spirit. And when Peter and John laid their hands on them, the Samaritans received the Spirit. Could it be the work of Jesus Christ began with the woman at the well and opened the door for the Samaritans to experience his 
spirit. Jesus demonstrated how to overcome prejudices and reach people. Jesus showed the disciples the Samaritans were welcome at the well because this was a well that was without walls. Although the Samaritans received the spirit, the disciples did not understand that the Gentiles were welcome also. They were doing incredible things, seeing incredible things, moving to some amazing places throughout some countries with, with, with the, 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 these people here, the Samaritans, but they did not realize that the Gentiles were meant to be a part of this as well. You see, what they had to find out is that Peter, in a vision on the rooftop, he had to find out this point here, that the Holy Spirit is a life-giving well without walls. It does not have barriers about who it's going to touch or what it will touch. That's why I have absolute confidence that as an apostolic person, when you walk somewhere in this community and you are living it out for God, that the Spirit of God not only touches you, but it begins to affect the atmosphere around you. It begins to touch the people who are around you, whether they want it to or not. There is no choice in the midst of that section, but the well is overwhelming. It is a spirit of living water that flows from your belly to those places around you. So live it out. Begin to put those things upon you. Begin to break down walls of prejudice that might be there. Begin to say, God, reveal those to me. And in the instant they come up, I want to dismiss them so that I know what you want to do in your desire. I am so thankful that Peter was willing to accept that vision from God, that he was in a place where he could hear from God, that there was a prejudice inside of his life that he needed to dismiss. Because if Peter would not have heard that, then it would be very likely that many of us here today, would still feel a prejudice between us and the church or us and the people who have the gift of the Holy Ghost. But now, because of Peter's revelation, we realize that we are just as strong and just as powerful as the people who were inside of the New Testament. We see that Peter challenged generations of tradition and history and declared that the Gentiles were accepted by the grace of God and not by following the customs of the law, as we had read about in Acts chapter 15 here, where some were beginning to come in and say the law is more important than these souls that are here. But Peter was saying, no, you have that absolutely backwards. These souls are more important than this law that is here. They can receive the gift of the Spirit. God has already Already filled them with his Holy Ghost. And if God is going to do that, then who are we to shut down what God is doing? If God is going to reach into those places, then who are we to put the wall up and shut down what God is doing? Peter began to declare this to show us for many generations that this is who we are meant to be as apostolic people. God raised up Paul to become a fierce defendant against the prejudice towards the Gentiles. Nonetheless, Peter deserves the credit for allowing the work of the Spirit to overcome his prejudice and for leading the Jewish Christians to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ inside of this world. It was up to them to begin to proclaim this well to the people around them. And so tonight, as I draw this lesson to a close, I would ask that during this season you pray, you fast, you seek God's face for those places where you need to bring the well. Think about this question. Let's dream for a moment. What would the church look like if prejudgments of others did not limit us? 
What would the church look like if we were not limited by our own prejudices towards other people and our limits that we begin to put upon them? What would the church look like? It's our job to show people there is a will that will keep them from harm's way. Let me read this story here, and I will show and demonstrate to you that if you are willing to show the will of Jesus Christ to people, you could protect them from danger. The largest ranch in Texas is King Ranch. The ranch is 825,000 acres, an area larger than the state of Rhode Island. But the largest ranch in Australia is Anna Creek Station. This ranch is 1,977,000 acres, which is slightly larger than the country of Israel. The Anna Creek Station, or ranch, covers a vast area and has an enormous number of livestock. Building fences to keep the livestock contained is impracticable because they need such a large area to graze. So instead of building fences, the ranchers dug a well and created a precious supply of water in the open, rugged wilderness of the outback. The livestock do not wander too far from the well because they know that they will die if they do. What would happen if we focused on the life-giving well more than our petty prejudicial fences that we have put up inside of our culture? Jesus shows us that the well is more critical than the prejudices that divide us. Jesus proclaimed that the Spirit was for any thirsty person, and later the Spirit of Christ led the apostles beyond their biases to reach the Samaritans and ultimately the Gentiles. There was no walls to exclude anyone from being a part of God's kingdom. When we promote the well, the spirit of Jesus Christ, we overcome the walls of prejudice that divide humanity. And I can tell you that this church is a well. It is a place that is saying, man, you don't have to go out there and be in the desert thirsty for things. You don't have to wander around and worry about dying, but you can come to a place and be fed with a river that is not going to stop. It will not cease, but you can always drink of it. But the most critical part is that you do not leave the well to go to the desert. I know that that is an entirely different message, but if there is anybody on this live stream who has considered leaving this well to go somewhere else, I would discourage you from doing that because you are wandering into the desert alone. And this is where the well is springing up. This is where the well is coming from, the Spirit of God inside of your life. Don't give up on it. Don't begin to shut it down. Don't begin to move it aside during COVID. Don't give up during these online services of saying, well, I didn't feel the presence of God in the first couple minutes, so I might as well sit down and do my own thing. No, don't give up in the midst of that. Tap into the well. Drink of it. Let God refresh and restore you. Let him pour inside of who you are during this time of prayer and fasting. It is essential that you let the Spirit of God come inside of you and anoint you and begin to restore what you have given out during your prayer times. Let that well become the essential part of your family. Let it become the essential part of your workplace, that it is the thing that you do not wander from, you do not waver from, but you know and understand the well needs to be an essential part of your life. We spoke about this tonight. We must overcome prejudice inside of our lives. 
I know I went a little bit long, but if you could raise your hands tonight, let's just pray and let this settle in Jesus' name. God, we are so thankful for what you have given us here tonight, Lord. You have opened your eyes, Jesus, to some new avenues that we can reach, God, to some people that we can speak to, to some people, God, that we can proclaim your well of living water, Jesus. I believe that you have shown us what prejudice might be around us, that we can tear that down, begin to push that aside so that we can see every soul, God, brought into this gospel, into your name, God. Give us those, those wonderful, refreshing waters that you have given to so many, God. Let us, just like Peter, Proclaim in this world around us that the Gentiles can be reached, Lord. Every race and every culture, no matter who they are or what they are, Jesus, no matter what sins they have committed, that through those things, Jesus, they can still see salvation. Let your water flow through us, God, into those people around us. Give these people courage to live that out. And God, I am thankful for what you have done and what you have revealed to us tonight. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name, amen and amen. Again, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. I am encouraged by what God is doing, and I'm encouraged by what he is going to do through these lessons. I truly believe that it's going to allow us to reach so many more people around us and speak to them. And don't be scared of that. Pray about that and let God use you. And, and, and you may mess it up the first time, and that's just fine. But, but you really can't mess up big inside of these things if you're reaching for people. If you're trying to reach for souls, the, the worst thing you can do is turn Jesus off in that circumstance. But let him come in there. Let him speak to those people around you. And I believe that he will do that in Jesus' name. There's lots of good questions during this lesson. I, I would ask that you go back, fill in some of those blanks about your own life and what you want God to do, and it will greatly encourage you and help you in Jesus' name. If we can do anything for you, let us know. Don't forget about prayer on Saturday night, youth service Sunday night, normal service Sunday morning. We will see you here soon, and I appreciate you all in Jesus' name.